We're going to start a new series, a brand new series this morning. And as well as that, if you want to open your Bibles in Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. Lord, we pray you would speak to us this morning. When we gather together, we need your word, God. We need your word to edify us, to change us, to cleanse us, to motivate us in every single area. And we ask for it, Father, individually, every person here. We open up our spirits, our hearts before you. Speak to us, God. Guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start a new series today. It's going to be short. So try and pay very close attention, very sharp attention. It's only going to be about five parts, but five crucial points, five crucial aspects to the promises of God. I want to call it entering the promised life. Remember how the people of Israel entered the promised land. In fact, the bulk of your Old Testament is written about the struggle the people had to enter in to the promises of God. It was such a big issue. And just like the people in those days struggled to enter into the promised land, so Christians today struggle to enter into the promised life, enter into all the huge amount of promises that God gave. I think some people categorize 3,000 promises in the Bible. Some say there's 5,000. I don't know. There's an enormous number anyway of promises from God to us. And yet, I, 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 I mean, I don't believe, I'm sure you would agree with me, I don't believe we see even a fraction of that. Jesus Christ said this, I have come so that you would not just have a life, but have life in superabundance. Right? In Mark's Gospel, he said that these promises are for this present age. That means here, it means now, not just eternity in heaven. And something's missing. Something's missing in my life if I'm not seeing more of these promises. And I spent a little bit of time over the last few weeks just researching this subject. And man, it's, it's opened up my mind no end. Listen to this a minute. Here's the people of God, right? The, the Hebrew people. And they're in slavery. Life is a trudge. Nothing seems to be working. They're in Egypt. How does God get them out of there? Do you know what he does? He does something we would never think of. He gives them a promise. He gives them a promise. He sends them Moses, and Moses, God says, go in Moses, and tell the people, tell my people who are stuck in a rut, who don't seem to be able to move, tell them that I promise them this. And God's way of deliverance hasn't changed. His way of delivering the, the Hebrew people and his way of delivering you is exactly the same. He is still a God of promise. A God who delivers his people through promises. But I don't think we get it. I really don't think we get it. I don't think there's even a, a, a primary level of understanding about the promises of God. When I first got saved, like many people, I studied the lives of the saints and martyrs, the patriarchs, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Abraham, Noah, and went into all of them. And I actually drew, drew up this great big chart at home, looking at all their lives and all those biblical characters. And when I finished it, something just stuck out. And do you know what it was? Joshua and Isaac. I had listed all the battles they'd been through. I'd listed their defeats. I'd listed their victories. And two people stuck out like a sore thumb. Joshua and Isaac. Life was a breeze. Not that they didn't have battles. They had loads of battles. It's just they seemed to win them all. Two very exceptional individuals. And I went to an old and, and, and learned man. And I said to him, you know, I've just finished a study in the apostles and the patriarchs and all that. And these two guys stick out. Why did they have it so easy? How come all the good and precious promises of God were answered in Joshua's life and in Isaac's life and not in the others? And praise God, I asked the right man because he knew the answer. He said, ah, you need to look at Joshua chapter 1 because right there... God made Joshua a promise. If you do this, I will do that. And guess what Joshua did? He kept the conditions of the promise. And it was the same with Isaac. Isaac is the son of promise. And so the victory in their lives is exactly the same for us. They were two men, actually, who understood how promises work. Who understood how to break through, fight through, and actually you know, live in the reality of those promises. And if you think about it, we're made in God's image. We're not much, you're not actually much different. And if you, let's say you had a grandchild, and that grandchild was a bit wild. And your grandchild's staying with you for a few days, and say it's a boy, and he's running like mad, and he's, he's getting a little bit mischievous. And you, as a loving grandfather, you think, i got to control this boy. I know what I'll do. You say, hey boy. Don't know his name. <laughs> if you're good, I promise you, tomorrow, I'll take you to Toys R Us. And I'll buy you a present. Instantly, the boy's behavior is changed. Instantly, the atmosphere around the boy's mind, his life, everything alters when a promise is given. And if we know how to do that, well, I believe we've got that from God. I believe it's in our nature. Promises are not a bad thing. In fact, the promises of God are so powerful, this is what they can do. Your behavior now and forevermore. If we get the promises and we believe the promises, they can actually change the way we live our lives now. The second powerful thing about a promise is that it has the power to change the atmosphere of my life. You know you carry an atmosphere. Some people carry a thundercloud. Some people carry the sun. But you carry an atmosphere everywhere you go. And a promise in your heart has got the ability to change the atmosphere all around your life. Because you're living not in doom and gloom, but in hope, in the hope of glory. Amen. 
You're living. Something's alive inside. You're a living hope. And you see, it's, it's just proof positive, friends, that we have lost grip on the promises of God. When you see people so gloomy, some people, you know, if they're happy for two or three days, they think they should be sad now. Slipping by demonic friends, even in this great nation of Scotland, there's even a word for it. <laughs> Don't you know it? Doer! God, may we strike that out of our dictionaries. Let there be no such thing. What right has any nation got to put a word rejected in Jesus' name? Don't have it over your life to slip back into negativity or depression. These things are downright demonic. And no, that's not too strong. Depression is demonic. Totally demonic. But it just shows a life that has not gripped the promises of God. Because if you're living with a living hope, a lively promise, a belief in your future, you will not be down. You will not be depressed. So don't cooperate with demons. Amen. Don't cooperate with negativity, bad spirits, moodiness. Doom and gloom are not our future. Doom and gloom should not be our present. And it just, as I say, it just shows, it, it proof positive that you have lost, that I have lost in some way the power of the promise in my life. Something that should be very bright somehow is very dim. It's a living hope. A lively hope, I believe, some versions put it as. These things have the power. God's not wrong. God is right. And He changed the behavior of His people by giving them hope. By promising them something. He motivated them the same way. And their whole lives were motivated that way. I was at a pastor's meeting here yesterday of African churches in this city and one guy made a great, great point. He was saying, we were talking about promises, you know, and this guy made, man, I'd never, never see it in a thousand years. He said, you know this, Joseph was so, his life was so focused on the promise, even though he wasn't even born when the initial promise was given, he gave his life to the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham, then, knowing that he wouldn't enter the promised land, he said to his servants, don't bury my bones here, but bring them with you, because I want my bones, even if I'm not going to be there, take my bones in. Now that's a man who understands something that I think we miss. Understands something of the power and the meaning and the purpose of the promises of God. The top of your notes there. Shocking statistic. I mean, if I was to ask you what, what amount of money remained unclaimed in Britain in 2006 on social welfare, I don't think you would say 80 billion. Isn't that amazing? 80 billion pounds in this country remained unclaimed in social welfare benefits in the year 2006. I wonder what kingdom promises that we leave unclaimed. I wonder how many gifts, how many blessings, 
I wonder how much of that life in all its fullness that Jesus how much have I left unclaimed or unfaithful? Let's go back to basics. God spoke to you once in prayer. Or God said something. This is going to happen. And maybe it's a concern to you that you're vexed. Why, Lord? Why, when, when you promised me this, why did it never happen? So it goes like this. Follow me. God gives you a promise. And lo and behold, as soon as he gives you the promise, you don't get it, you get a problem. Instead of the promise, God said to the people, the, the Hebrew people, listen, he said, I promise you milk and honey. Now, here is manna and quail. <sighs> he, gave, he promised them one thing and gave them the exact opposite. He, he, he makes a promise, and this is just God's way of causing you to grow up. Of causing you to, to appreciate him. To respect him. To respect the blesser. So when you get a promise. It's not bad news. To get a problem. Because the problem will be the key to the door. Of actually appropriating your promise. It goes like this. Promise. And an immediate problem. And once you address the problem. With the principles. The conditions. Once you obey the principles of God, you will end up in the provision. It's all on your notes right there. Four Ps. Hallelujah. Very easy to remember. But I don't know that there's any way around this. The wise men in Scripture, Joshua and Isaac, they learned it early. They obeyed the conditions early. So as soon as God gives me a promise, I don't need to be down because the opposite is in front of me. God has promised me health and I've got sickness. All I've got to do is obey the promises through the principles, do what God says, and hold tight, hold on. God knows what he's doing. He's not wrong. Why doesn't he just pick the Hebrew people up and just plonk them in the promised land? Why do we have to go through all this, Lord? Isn't there an easier way? No. Because in the easier ways, you would abuse God you would not appreciate his grace. You would become like a, a brat. Excuse the term. A bad child. A wayward child. But through cooperation and having to obey the principles, all of a sudden we get an appreciation for the blesser. And he can be your God. He can be your Lord. It may seem like the hard way. And sometimes the hard way is the best way. Sometimes the only way that you're actually going to grow is the hard way. You've taken easy ways long enough. And has it done you any good? Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. And this is the beginning of it. This is where it all started and all the other promises really come out of this covenantal promise. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord... And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And on and on and on and on and on it goes. We're going to look at it over the next few weeks. God promises them deliverance. And what do they get? Nothing but trouble. <laughs> they get Pharaoh. They get Pharaoh. That's what they get. And they get a Red Sea. 
And listen carefully. Look at me again a moment. Stay with me. Very important. God promises them these great things and then all they get, it seems, is one problem after another. First of all, Pharaoh, now the Red Sea and the conditions that they must obey are not complicated. Very simple. Condition number one, obey the leader. Do what Moses says. Condition number two, if you complain, if you open your mouth and complain after these great things that I've done, I'll bury you right here. And you'll never enter. Harsh. Very strong. Condition number three. You better be grateful. You see, it is not without consequence. Listen to me. It is not without consequence. When you find God moving in your life, that pillar of fire, it came at a cost. And the cost was this. I will not be mocked. And if I'm going to do great things in your life, then you had best respect me, or you'll die right here. 600,000 fighting men buried in the sand because of three things. They complained against the leadership. Moses. And when God heard their complaint, wow, so quick, bam! I swear that you will never enter the promise that I have given to Moses. You will never enter that promised land. For when you spoke against the leader, the judgment, as soon as those words left your mouth, the judgment was upon you. And you will not enter the promised land. You see, Moses did a thousand things right and just a couple of things wrong. But you know what hits the headlines in the Hebrew press? You hear what Moses did? Huh, I'm not going to follow this guy. The couple of things that Moses was weak at or not leading them in, they moaned, complained. And what they didn't realize is that God takes it personally. Now, I've told you many times because I really understand this point. I'm shocked at it, to be honest with you. Shocked at it. God takes it very personally when you complain, particularly about leadership. Let me tell you why and how. If, let me say, the Sunday school, okay? We've got whatever number of kids across the road. All ages. They can run riot, you know? And say I'm in charge of Sunday school. And I go over and I say, right, boys, sit down, hang on, come back. And the behavior's not too good, you know? Do you know what I'll be with them? Very gracious. Very gracious. Come on, boys. How was this? Oh, they were fine. And because I'm in charge, I won't be harsh with the kids. But listen closely. If I can't do that, and I say to Jeanette, would you look after the Sunday school? And she comes back crying and says, Oh, the kids, I couldn't go. I will be furious. Live it. And you will not get grace. You will get swift, speedy judgment. That's what you will get. And that's what this story... And by the way, folks, it takes up about that much of your Bible. That's what this story is all about. God wants us to enter the promises. But there are principles that get broken all the time. 
My God is gracious. And the principle number one was that you will obey Moses whether you like him or hate him. You will love him with his weaknesses and with his strengths. And if you complain, I'll bury you here. 600,000 were left with their bones in the sand. Wow. Wow. I guess you'd call that an unconditional promise, huh? In other words, he carried out. God takes it very seriously. Number one, obey the leader. In this case, it was Moses. Number two, if you're going to complain, you would best watch it. Now I say, it's a shocking thing, folks. Why did they not enter the promised land? And the number one thing, actually, that God mentioned was complaints. Complaining about him, complaining about Moses. They complained about the food. Yeah, in fact, listen to this. God heard them. They said they wanted garlic. I love garlic. But it's not worth, it's not worth the wilderness for, is it? They complained about the food. Listen to this. Do you know what it says in Psalms? When God heard them complain about the food, do you know what he said? Food? You want food? Quail? Come. Rain down quail. And then he said this. Eat it and you will die with that food in your mouth. Eat it. Go on, eat it. They ate it till it was coming down their nostrils, it says. They ate it till they were sick of it. And then he said to them, now, with that food in your mouth, you're going to die. Shocking stuff. How do we enter the promises of God? Number one, remember that leadership is God-ordained. So watch your mouth. Number two, don't complain. Don't complain about the journey. That problem could be the biggest blessing of your life. Do you know the great thing for, for Moses? The great, was Pharaoh. It was Pharaoh. It was that that was pushing them into faith. It was that that was propelling them into the promise. Promise. Hallelujah. There's my problem. There's the thing I'm going to solve. There's my key. All I got to do now, now this problem's here. I know that my promise is on the other side of this. All I got to do is stick with the principles and I'm through. And be grateful. Condition number three. But they didn't, as I say. They moaned. They groaned. And can I just... Give me complete attention for one moment. Listen. Do you know why they complained and moaned? Because they didn't want to fight. That's the bottom line. Oh, I'd rather be under these Egyptians. A war? You mean I have to go to war? You mean I'm going to have to start fighting? I've never fought. I've been lazy all my life, Lord. I have to go to battle, do I? Oh, I don't want to. Forget Moses. Let's get another leader who won't make us fight. That's what we need. Kill him. They didn't want to fight. They had not been used to fighting. In fact, they saw it as not necessary. They failed to fulfill the conditions of the promise. It was a conditional promise. And so they never entered the promised land. And that is true of the vast majority of the churches and church on earth. In this hall this morning... If you're at home on radio or around the world on television, let me tell you where you are. Whether you realize it or not, whether you are aware of it or not, Christians live in one of three places. You either live in Egypt, 
which represents the world and you've never bothered to either repent or turn to God you're still under the bondage of Pharaoh or secondly you can live in a place the Bible calls low Debar means the land of no promise it's where Mephibosheth was when David showed him extra grace the land of no promise Debar means no promise and you this morning you're either in Egypt in the world or you're in the land the wilderness the land of no promise or praise God I hope you're in the promised land and experiencing at least something of all that God jo Joshua said this one day you have seen how not one of these great and precious promises that God has made us has fallen to the ground so be encouraged guys every problem has a purpose I don't need to be afraid because God has promised me this yet I face this I should be encouraged by that every problem is a key to the provision of the promise God has given me every problem is a test an absolute test right I remember once when one of the first interviews I ever had for a pastoral task there was only a couple of pastors on the panel and they asked me lots of questions and went through all this stuff and the interview was going really well I thought it was going good you know and went all through the stuff will you do this yeah full-time job yeah great well I think the interviews over the guy said and I thought we haven't talked about money yet you know you don't want to bring money up do you so we kind of finished and I said uh, <laughs> exactly um, what about the money and I said oh money oh we don't have any money I'm serious we don't have any money oh so it's a job <laughs> job without money you got, you got any others <laughs> yeah no money so what am I supposed to well, that's up to you that's up to you we're offering you full-time role but you'll have to organize your own funds do you know you sometimes in life you just get a few seconds to make your mind up right and the, the, the occasion will pass you by it was one of those I thank God I did the right thing because something came over me sitting in that seat do you know what came over me I looked at these two guys and I thought you whips and I turned to them and I said money leave it to me I'll sort it out no problem and I did without a problem in fact I know that one of those guys we prospered so rapidly so quickly that one of those guys was a little bit frightened and I know that as time went by he looked back and he thought I made a mistake there I didn't. yes you did father does a son store up for his father what a father is that the father should store up for the son but never mind I'll provide my own finance promises can rain down upon us if we will accept them if you will accept that you're gonna to have to fight every promise has got a problem after it I believe that's your pattern biblically Jesus promised persecutions he promised great what was it mark chapter 6 homes in this present age families relationships blessings and with them persecutions promise promise so there was always that little tension and I think it's just if we obey the principles we just go right through the problems and now as I say that's what Joshua did the last part of your notes on the back is just a list that I've given you about how to deal 
with problems. What you should do, how you can do it, and how you can approach them. A list of positive things, if you like, about problems. The first thing you need to do is acknowledge that you've got one. And you would be surprised, friends, how many people don't want to know that they have a problem. Do you know what Moses had to do? He's right up against the Red Sea. Imagine the situation. His promise is on the other side. And everybody's ready to run. As soon as the pressure starts, everybody's ready to run. What did Moses do? Stood still. And Moses turns to the people. He's a man who's focused on the other side of the Red Sea. Focused on the promise. And he turns to the people and he says this. Stand still! Stand still! Why, is this river greater than God? Stand still! He acknowledged there was a problem. But he wasn't going to flee from it. He wasn't going to run from it. And the truth is, most people don't want to stand still. You don't want to wait even a day. It's like McDonald's, you know. Hurry up! Too slow. Well, I'm a bit like that anyway. I think fast food is slow food. Far too slow. Society's like that. The world makes us this way. We won't even wait a minute. In fact, that's a fact, you know. It's a fact. The, the length of time that people wait is going down and down and down in queues or wherever they are. It's a fact. We're growing more and more impatient and won't give God the chance to fulfill His promise. We're off. Stand still! Come on, grow up! When you teach on something or, or preach on something, God tends to bring you through some lessons concerning it before you start. I find that again and again. If you're preaching on faith or patience, you'll be tested in faith or patience. And just over these last few weeks, I've just experienced a few tests, if you like. I'll give you a silly example, because you look very serious. It'll lighten you up a bit, maybe. I'm in Asda. I need ink for my printer. So I've got a trolley doing some shopping. I go up to where the ink is. And, oh, this product is out of stock. Oh, no problem. Happened before. Oh, never mind. And just as I turn to walk away, God speaks to me in Asda. <laughs> and he says, you know, your ink is here. I need the ink to do your notes, by the way. I don't think the devil wants you to know that. <laughs> your ink is here. There's the devil's voice, there's my voice, and there's God's voice. Now, who was that? <laughs> it was God's voice. I know God's voice. And I, so, I go back over to the ink. Do you know what's happened? Somebody's put my ink in the wrong place. So I start fiddling through all the things. Nah. Not there. Mm. Go back. What do I do? I thought to myself, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stand still. I just wait. Stand here. Look like an idiot. It's all right. I just stand here and wait. I thought to myself, it's not in the shelf. Somebody's going to bring it to me. That's what will happen. So I stood there. 40 seconds. Round the corner comes a shop assistant with a trolley in one, pushing with one hand, and my ink in the other. And she walks like, that's mine. <laughs> that's mine. Thank you. And there it was. Now it only took a minute in totality. Stand still a minute. Stop rushing around all the time. You pray and then you're off. 
You say one thing, God has healed me, and in the next breath, you change your mind again. Stop it. Stand still. And you too will see the deliverance of God. So acknowledge you've got a problem. Take responsibility for it. Take your own personal responsibility, I mean. That you're going to obey the principles that will see that promise come to pass. And the third point about problems is a biggie. Work. Learn how to work and learn how to fight. And in my opinion, this is probably, I think, the biggest reason why people don't enter into the promise. I can't be bothered fighting. I don't want to go to war. I want everything the easy way, Lord. Isn't that what promises are? Doesn't promise mean that I don't have to do anything, Lord? Isn't that it? No, it's the exact opposite. The exact opposite. If you think it's going to be like that, you're probably going to lead a very miserable life. Listen to this. God said to the people of Israel, listen carefully. Here is the promised land. I'm giving it to you. What's the next line? (laughs) Now go and fight for it. Now you could think, well, which is it? Are you giving it to me or do I have to fight for it? I'm giving it to you. Now go and fight. But once again, I'm just telling the truth, folks. We live in a welfare society, and I'm not just talking about social welfare in the world. I'm talking about God. Where we feel that God should do everything. And it should be so easy for me. And that's not the way this works, I'm afraid. You're going to have to learn to work. Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join up. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.